Hello. I'm going to talk today about buried treasure, but not the buried treasure you think of when you go looking for gold or for a Spanish galleon on the floor of the ocean. This is another kind of buried treasure. You know, even when you look for treasure under the ocean, it takes great inner resources to be able to go so deep, to look so far, to scour the ocean and read all the books on it before you finally make that discovery of gold perhaps lost in the ocean four or five hundred years ago. And so the buried treasure I'm talking about now is buried within your own self. Something you scuttled, let's say, a long time ago because you got involved in the sailing on the ocean of uh, delusion, of desires that would take you nowhere, of false ambitions, of hopes that finally sort of burst like bubbles. And therefore, your ship sank, your ship of hope, your ship of expectations, your dreams. If you look at people, I'll never forget a couple of girls, probably about 17 very pretty girls that got on the bus one time that I was riding in San Francisco. And they were laughing gaily, and I could see everybody on the bus was looking at them, sort of envying them their youth, their enthusiasm, their energy. And I couldn't help thinking, well, this is at the age of 17. I wonder what they'll be like at 27, 37, 47, 57. You don't see very many people in old age or even in middle age that have that same spark. Why? Because their ship has sunk. And yet that treasure that they were carrying within themselves is still there. Gold doesn't lose its value when you cover it with mud. It just has to be uncovered to be found. The gold lost in a sunken ship isn't lost necessarily forever. It just has to be discovered. And the same with you. There's greatness within you. There is tremendous potential, the potential of the divine. You know, great masters like Jesus Christ and Moses and Buddha and others, they didn't come into this world to tell us how special they were. They didn't come to say how great they were. They came to show us our own potential. What would be the use of a life like Jesus had he come only to say, look at me, I'm something you can't be. What, what would we gain from that? It could be a little discouraging. Some people turn that discouragement into sort of a slavish dependence on him, thinking that he'll do it all for them. And yet, didn't Jesus say, why do you say, Lord, Lord, and don't do the things that I say? He came to tell us what to do. And that meant he came to help us to find our inner power, our buried treasure. Because each one of us has the capacity to become like him. He said, the things that I do, you shall do, and even greater things, because I go to my Father. We have the capacity within us to perform miracles, to find a joy that will lift us soaring over every trial, to find inspiration that will help us to solve every problem, to find beauty where we see ugliness and love where we find so much hatred. The reason that this world seems to so many of us 
a veil of tears, of discouragement, of disappointment, is only that we haven't looked in the right place. We're looking outside when we should begin by looking inside. We should look to what we are, because it's only on the basis of what we are that we'll be able to accomplish anything in this world. And if we accomplish very little, it's because we haven't tapped that greatness within. It's because we've kept ourselves little. I remember many years ago, I was in college, and I wanted to go to Mexico and uh, just be among simple, genuine people. This is the way I visualized it, that here in this country there was too much sophistication, too much dependency on wealth and uh, outward importance. And if I could go among more simple people, I would find the answers that I was looking for. Well, I got to Mexico and I found that people were people. And whether they lived simple lives or not, it was usually because they had no choice. As soon as they had a choice, they did all the same things everyone else has done that we wish they hadn't, in the sense of becoming ruthless in their attempt to achieve wealth, in, their, in the sense of becoming indifferent to other people because now they had uh, uh, found it necessary to sort of cut short corner, corners in order to succeed in life. And so uh, I found that not only were people people, and that the scene, the human scene, didn't really change by my being in Mexico. But I found the worst thing of all was that I hadn't changed. I could have the same moods and stomach aches and headaches and uh, nervousness and whatever it might be that I felt just as easily in Mexico as I could in New York. I was I, and I couldn't escape it. I remember coming back, and it was when the movie came out, The Razor's Edge, and some girl in uh, our college was, we were all a group sitting around a coffee table in the coffee shop having something to drink, and uh, we were talking about the movie, and this girl, with sort of romantic fervor, was saying, oh, how I'd love to go to India and just get lost. And I'd just come back from this trip to Mexico where I'd learned a few lessons, and I, I sort of laughed and I said, well, what do you think you'd ever lose? You wouldn't be able to escape the only thing you're really trying to lose, which is yourself. I was just telling her what I'd found out for myself. It wasn't as if I was talking from the wisdom of ages, but uh, my ages, I should say. But the thing is that when we learn to look within ourselves, then we find that that is where Everything begins. That's where, you know, a, an efficiency expert can go into an office and his purpose is to streamline the procedure so it takes less time to produce what they're uh, producing, costs less money, perhaps you need fewer people to do it, but the end gain is that the business is going to be more successful. Well, that's what we need to do with our own minds, our own psychological makeup, our inner powers. This is your real treasure. And whatever else you have outside yourself is not something you can depend upon. That's why Yogananda said uh, in a prayer of his, give me the power to obtain at will that which I daily need. I don't care so much what I may permanently possess, but give me the power to be able to have what I need when I need it. Well, this is what I'm talking about. 
People who depend too much on things, too much on a particular job, too much on a particular position, too much on the fame that they've acquired through what they're doing, too much on the money that they've put in the bank. These people are, to the extent that they depend upon those things, they become ever poorer. What they need to do is develop the inner wealth that will make them capable of being able to produce more wealth, produce more success, um, produce more works of art, whatever it is that they do. Now then, the important thing that we need to live by in our lives then is to learn to become efficiency experts of thought. We need to learn to calm our minds. You can't it's in a way you could put it this way that you can't see a clear reflection in a lake if there's a storm brooding, if there's wind blowing over the surface of the of the lake. Because all those little ripples and wavelets will make any reflection that there may be broken up into so many little pieces that you won't be able to really recognize it. Let's say you have the moon up above and you want to see that moon clearly reflected. Well then what you need to do is somehow calm the waters or uh, sequester a certain portion of the water so that the wind can't touch it and uh, the movement of the water outside won't affect it. Then you'll see when the waters calm that the moon becomes reflected there well. And if you had a mirror that was made the way mirrors used to be of metal and it became rusted, you wouldn't be able to see. Or if you have your mind sort of so full of prejudices that that's what you're reflecting to the world. That's how the world is reflected back to you, as if it were in a funny house. Things that are thin look fat. Things that are <clears throat> fat look thin. Uh, a body with a normal head will suddenly seem to have a huge head, and so on. It all depends on your ability to calm the mind so that you can see what things really are. I had a sort of confrontation once many years ago with some neighbors that were talking about uh, things that they wanted that were opposite to the things that we and the group I'm with want, wanted. And uh, I made the statement to them that, look, I don't really care what your opinions are or what my opinions are. I'm interested in what the truth of the matter is. They were so entrenched in the importance of their opinion that all they could take from that remark was, wow, that's a really heavy statement that you don't care about our opinions. They didn't understand what I was saying, that opinions obscure the realities of a situation. You don't need to think that much about your opinions. We all have them. But the point is that our dedication must be to the truth of the matter. Now, the more that we seek the truth of the matter, the more also our own mind begins to develop that kind of clarity that reflects things as they really are. Now, you can't really begin to work with things until you can work with them as they are. A person who wants to repair a car knows that he can't just get upset because something's not working. He can't beat on it with a wrench. He's got to w just think of it sensitively and find out what's loose, what's wrong with it, and work with it as it is. And then, <clears throat> in that process, he's going to be able to make it what he wants it to be. 
the same thing then in our working, that we need to work with reality as it is, and that requires that we have an absolutely truthful view. Be absolutely truthful with ourselves. Don't kid ourselves that things are what they aren't, because they're going, the truth will come out sooner or later anyway. Therefore, work with truth as it is if you want to find this buried treasure. Another thing is, don't sell yourself short. It isn't egotism to say that you can do things. It's, it should be your conscientious desire to do things well. And to say that you can do something successfully even though you haven't ever tried is not a boast if you say it in the right way. Now, what do I mean by the right way? Well, if I say I can do anything, that's a boast. But if I put my emphasis instead on things, I can do anything, not I can do it, but I can do it, then you'll find that you can uh, tune into that reality and make it work. I found that in, in learning languages or in writing music. Um, the songs that you hear on this program were songs that I wrote. But, uh, you know, I, didn't, I never studied composition. I went to class, I took a course in composition, but I was sort of in my rebellious phase in college, and I never really went to class more than, oh, about once a month, and I think I did possibly two and a half assignments all semester. And so I don't really know the rules as far as how they're written. I know that parallel, parallel fifths are considered a bad thing, and that uh, making the bass line go in opposition to the treble line is considered a good thing. And that's really all I remember of my course. However, what I found is that I, when I approached music, I just thought, well, but it's there to be done. Others have done it, and if, if it's there to be done, why shouldn't I be able to tune into it? It's not a matter of I can do it, I have this talent. It's that that's there to be seen by other human beings. And I found that really that's the way it worked. You tune into the thought of music, you tune into the vibration of it, and I've seen that when I, when I want a, a melody, what I need is to have a very clear idea of the thought that I want to express, the mood or the inspiration that I want to express. Then I find that the melody's there. This song that you heard at the beginning of this program was the first song I wrote. And it was interesting. I, I was in Yosemite, and uh, I saw a couple of boys with a guitar, and I thought, oh, I, I was in the mood to sing. So I went over to them, and I offered to sing. And uh, they said, sure. So I sang the only song I could think of at the moment, which was uh, Swing Low, Sweet Chariot. And they said, oh, you've just got to come and sing at a party of ours tonight. So I went, and I sang. And again, the only song I could think of was swing low, sweet chariot, and everybody seemed to like it. So the next day I was driving away from Yosemite, and uh, the thought came, what a wonderful way it would be to share with people if I could sing. But I don't know any songs that I feel like singing. I mean, swing low, sweet chariot, I can't, it doesn't really say what I have to say. And then the thought came to my mind, but maybe I could write my own. And the moment I thought that, this is the song that came into my mind, and I stopped at a milkshake stand and wrote the melody down on a uh, paper napkin, 
and that's how it came into being. Well, that's a very small, almost insignificant example of something that's an infinite truth, which is that whoever you are, wherever you are, whatever you are, you have it within you, latent within you, to accomplish anything that you want. You have that treasure inside you, and only to the extent that you can uncover this inner treasure will you even be able to manifest outward treasures. Why is it that some people achieve wealth, success? Why is it that some people, as I said earlier, find those treasures down in the bottom of the ocean? Quite simply because they found something first inside. There are a lot of people who go for it. Very few find it. It's because they've got something that made it possible for them to succeed where others failed. And people who become millionaires do it by a great deal of inner ability, too. It comes through, t through talent, through skill, through concentration, through energy. So the, uh, the, the treasure you need to find, and the only one that will stay with you when you leave this world, the only one that you can carry with you wherever you go, is your own self deep within. So let me urge you to put aside a little bit of time every day to calm your mind, to dig down beneath the mud of restless thoughts and false ambitions and all these opinions that we form about things without bothering to find out what is really true and what is not. And let us take a little bit of time. Let me urge you to take a little bit of time to meditate every day, to calm your mind, focus your attention here at the point between the eyebrows, and just sit still and listen to the silence within. Listen to the silence that is trying to speak to your soul. You will find that you have within you the capacity to uncover what will turn out to be not just a treasure in a material sense, a treasure in the most deeply meaningful sense. You will be able to carry with you, wherever you go, a portable paradise. You will be able to carry joy and love and inspiration, happiness, all the time into the sleep land when you wake up. And even when things are going difficultly, I remember one time somebody was acting rather foolishly, and my teacher, my spiritual teacher, Paramahansa Yogananda, was looking at this scene, and instead of being embarrassed about it, he just sort of smiled in a genial way. Well, this is how people are. This is how uh, we need to learn to get more deep into what we are. We can, if we can find out who we really are, as images of God and of the infinite joy.